Exciting news at This Week Health. Starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week Health. We're in the people business. We're dealing with technology and the technology has to be successful. But if we don't get the people part and the relationship part down right, we will fail. You can have the best technologies in the world, but you will fail if you the right people. Welcome to a Solution Showcase. Today, I have the privilege of talking to Jeremy Ognell, who is the founder of Gordian Dynamics, which is a project management firm that focuses in on healthcare security project implementation. And one of the reasons it's my pleasure is because when I was CIO, I utilized Jeremy's services, his company services, Gordian, for a lot of our projects. And he was a great partner with me. So we're probably going to have a lot of fun reminiscing a little bit and talking about rugby and how rugby applies to the security paradigm and things to that effect. So this is going to be a fun one. And I hope you enjoy. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we are there. So you can find us there or you can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com and subscribe there as well. And now on to our conversation. All right. Today we have a solution showcase and we are meeting with the founder of Gordia, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. We're actually doing a fireside chat. Look at that. It's kind of really tallers. I think it needs a little more print. <laughs> a little more silly. It's on. It is on. We are actually at one of the 229 events. We're going to have a conversation today. That I'm really looking forward to it. We go way back. When our CIO at St. Joe's, Gordia did an awful lot of work for me at St. Joe's. And we were just talking about it. It's hard to disrupt. I mean, do a lot of different things. And so people would say, what does Gordian do? And really what he did for us was he specialized in putting together teams to solve really complex problems. Yeah, I'd say that that's true. A lot of it was driven by you and your writing board, craziness. Uh, the number of times I've problem. So Jerry, can you do anything for this? Well, yeah, well, even that, I'd be walking by your office and you'd be I'll get into there. And then you walk me through the writing board. But, you know, there's really good stuff there. So, yeah, I, I think we, in most states, if we build custom teams that solve the problems, as you said. So what kind of work does Gordian do now? Well, most of our work at Moment is focused around cybersecurity. Really with emphasis on agile project management within the security space. So all enterprise health IT, cybersecurity. So why would I just throw project managers on? Well... It's a good question. Firstly, getting the right project manager in the cyberspace is, is not always easy. For a lot of people who own the project management designation and qualifications, they're not necessarily adept to running an enterprise level project. There are some who are, but I can tell you a lot of the enterprise health systems that we do business with, many of them have their own PMOs and they still come to us for our people, for our teams, for our leadership. And so it's that specialization on healthcare and healthcare technology, cybersecurity. We do other projects as well. And cyber is probably the gamut of our work right now, which is 
understandable if you look at the challenge that CIOs and CISOs are facing, either one or two with staffing. The thing I will say to you is the thing I've always really appreciated about you is your coaching background. So you were coming up on the season. You're a rugby coach. Tell us a little bit about your rugby background. It's definitely parts of my background. Grew up playing game in England, played on the way through college, moved to Southern California, played there. Once the body failed me, total hip replacement, et cetera, it was time to put away childish things and look on becoming the best coach I could. And so I've been coaching rugby for about 20 something years now, but really ardently for about 15 years. And along with success, I'm currently coaching at Claremont McKenna College up in Los Angeles, having a lot of fun with it. A lot of fun. I, Used to love those stories of coaching those teams because you guys, you guys don't necessarily go out and recruit and bring in the top rugby players. A lot of times you're just, hey, does anybody want to play rugby? They come in and you coach some pretty tough teams. Yeah. Molding is probably the right term, right? We get these young men coming in and we mold them into rugby players. And again, a lot of it is rugby is the sport, rugby is the conduit, but the reality is it's to try and make them better men off the page. It's not just all about the white lines, but yeah, we've had a lot of success. I mean, luckily we do get to do some recruiting now. I've got a few recruits this season, which I'm very, very excited about, but mostly it's all day and trying to pull team together into a high performance environment. As you were building Gordian now and uh, delivering those services, did the coach come out? Oh, it comes out all the time. <laughs> I think some people wish it didn't, but I'm always coaching. I coach my kids. And daily life, not just in sports, probably more than I parent, but yeah, it's really, as I say, it's really part of my fabric and I couldn't do what I do if I wasn't an effective coach. All right. Cybersecurity projects. What are we looking at here? I mean, the complexity of these projects is increasing every day. So what kind of projects are we talking? Well, talking everything across the, the continuum of cybersecurity, it's really about how do we, you know, work with our healthcare clients to try and prevent any intrusions. So it could be collaborating with them on red team exercises to get them to prevent intrusion. Obviously red team is nice ethical hacking, I guess. So working on those and then working on any of the remediation that needs to be done as a result of that. And a lot of it, and I think this is where the coaching comes in too, is a lot of it is working with all of the different technology vendors. CrowdStrike, Palo Alto, Tanium, Proofwhite, Navy. It was so many solutions that Microsoft obviously. There's so many solutions that these enterprise customers have, and it's how we pull all the teams together from the various vendors to drive to a robust, world-class solution to lock down their environment. I was going to ask you about reference clients and that kind of stuff, but I'm actually one of reference clients. But if I think about it. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it really is interesting because Back in the day, I really relied heavily on you for building out those teams, those professional teams. And a lot of times you're hiring younger people. And so your coaching really did, did come in play. But I remember we threw things that you liked, like our, uh, our one pass or easy pass, deep easy pass, the tap in, tap out and move around. And I remember we did that project and the, the goals were pretty aggressive around it was like, Tap in, tap out, first login less than a minute, each subsequent login less than, did I say less than 10 seconds? Maybe 10 seconds was your final goal, yes. And it was less than 10 seconds. 
Your brain, three images all that's across the infrared. Well, I was different projects, but yeah, we, I, I did come back to you at one point and say, we have way too many images. We had to get those images down. I also, at one point, cause you were doing so much stuff over there and handling those projects so well, remember looking at you say, Hey, our Citrix environment is not that good. Yeah. I'd love for you guys to come in and really put your on Citrix environment as well. Do you still sort of, I mean, do you still drive that kind of relationship of dialogue with the CIO or dialogue with the VPS infrastructure and operations and say, where, where are your challenges? We could build that out. Yeah, absolutely. Where it and I think it's interesting because I don't think a lot of CIOs are necessarily as trusting as you were. I think you came into, I think one of the things that made us, helped us be successful there is we were very much in crisis management mode. You were in crisis management mode. And you knew that you needed some help and you were very quick to recognize that. I think in a lot of cases, it's hard to recognize that early on and say, I'm going to bring this guy in and see men and over some of the keys of the kingdom. But yeah, but we need to have healthy conversation with CIOs. I think they see our capabilities across the spectrum, whether it's cybersecurity, agile project management, the Microsoft stack. Well, there's a method to my mandates, right? So you've got the first 90 day projects, you had all that, we talked about that before. Then, uh, the East Pass project, so like I gave you all 16 hospitals and a way to go, it was first one you had to, you had to win over the docks. Mm -hmm. So you guys did a, did a good run around and around a lot of our hospitals, went over the docks before we even started to roll that product out. Yeah. Yeah. Once the docks saw it, it was hard to keep it. Oh, they, they were clamoring for it after they saw what it was. Cause they used to have to go, go into every machine, type in your password and only for all one, but oh. Or even handwritten notes. And actually, I think when somebody solving the doctors for us, it really started with a lot of the nurses and nurse practitioners, getting them to buy into the vision of what, in this case, she were trying to accomplish and that we were helping enable. And once we get them to understand that and maybe getting the power users, and then they, in a lot of cases, would train the doctor and educate the doctor on why this was a value to them, because they listened to their nurses and PAs far more than they listened to our team. But Collectively, we got them across the finish line. So are you generally brought in when the project is failing or at the beginning of a, a green seal project or it's just all? I, I think it's, it's across the board. I think one of the things that really does help set us apart is we're very good at, is the right nomenclature. I'm just going to say we're very good at failing projects. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> We're not good at making projects fail. We're good at the projects that are failing and coming in. Because again, it's a different challenge. Great field is great. And if you're a part of it early on and you're engaged in your architect team and everything, that really helps. But sometimes I like the challenge of a CIO or a CSO who's got a failing project. He's got a lot of investments in technology. Maybe they've had a breach or failed on the precipice of a breach. And they say, we can help. And they, there's a fun, they're challenging. They keep up at night, but. One of the works you threw in there early on was agile, agile project management as opposed to waterfall. Uh, why, why is that a distinctive uh, grade this? Well, I think first I'd say a lot of the projects we end up doing are what I'll call a hybrid. It, the buzzwords and things, agile, and it is with scrum methodology and Kanbans and everything else. So I think the ability to truly be agile, to have the daily cadences, the Kanban, see what's going on, course correct as you need be. 
but I still think on some of these large enterprise ones, there's definitely elements of waterfall. So for us, as we look to hire people and bring them on board, we really like people who can operate in both the waterfall and the agile world, because I think you need to. A lot of, a lot of health systems I know had moved to agile. And one of the reasons I did was we went through the pandemic and the whole organization, the whole organization went into agile, like almost overnight, because that's the best methodology for a crisis response Yeah, is agile. But I think what they've learned over time is, Hey, this was really good from a communication standpoint, from a prioritization standpoint, from a scary big stuff standpoint is, yeah, no, I think it is. And I think in a lot of cases, because these are such big projects, it tends to start with a waterfall approach in the sense that you're looking out one to two to, in some cases, three years of the overall life cycle of the project. So you start at waterfall and then you break it down into manageable chunks of, of agile and that's how we run. What leads to successful projects? My follow-on question is going to be, what leads to projects that fail? What leads to successful projects? The biggest thing for me is the people. I think the people, obviously not just from our team, I'm talking about the whole team, the collective. So the ability for any third-party company like ours, the technology providers, say the Microsoft, the CrowdStrikes, and then your internal teams for us to be able to mesh and agree on a common goal and then set aside differences or work through those differences, maybe some healthy contentions, good occasionally. But I think getting those people to buy into the vision and work together collaboratively on a daily basis is, is critical. And then the other thing is remembering the vision and the business case it was sold on. I find a lot of times, I talk to a lot of healthcare systems where I say, sharing a business case and draw a line with us that it was sold on. Because ideally, we should be able to try and present that at the end to show back to the board who funded it that it was actually successful. So multiple elements, but people working together in the high performance environment to me is. Failed projects, what characteristics do you find in failed projects? Lack of sponsorship is huge. We don't have the CIO or whoever the executive sponsorship. It goes back to the business case. Right. If the business case is solid and it's been sold at whatever level it's sold at, generally it's going to be prioritized and funded in a way to deal. But if it's like, if it's like dark money, if you will, if it's like, hey, we're funding shadow IT, shadow IT. And a lot of times those projects will get going and they just sort of die on the vine because it, it didn't go through the proper channels, did not get the proper funding and those kind of things. And so. It just, everything starts freaked out. Freaked out. I think that's the initial breakdown. I think the other side of it is, I talked about the engagement with the sponsors. So it's great that you can come up with business games, fund it and say, okay, German team go, but we want to stay engaged with you throughout the process because it's not going to be perfect. There are absolutely going to be bumps in the road. And I've had an old mentor of mine, I guess, in the business years ago, I heard him say, you know, that in IT where firefighter by day or arsonist by night. And I think it's important that this case you as the CIO understood that, that there are going to be things that happen that are going to set us back. But as long as we have a mitigation plan and are willing to get our teeth into resolving it, you'll bear with us. The CIOs who are born resolved, who are privy to all the inner work piece of the project, I think it, it makes for a tough atmosphere over there. They, uh, toughest project you've ever worked on? 
toughest project? Well, I was going to say it was the 90 day project that your team that you inherited to teed up that just was really going to be two years. So that, that was, that was an epic. That, that sounds like my team. It wasn't done in 90 days. I think the toughest project we have, <laughs> we talked about that project. There's no way that project can be no. done, I Now when we're stripping and getting top of the calendar, we're down to day six, so we close. No, we haven't even had to kick off the ticket. I think the biggest one was probably the easy pass that St. Joe's was putting Manutech out there across your 16 hospitals. And then obviously in the, in the medical centers as well, because it was just such a fragile environment and it was so new. And it was very political at times. We had a lot of late sleepless nights. You and I had a lot of meetings late in crappy restaurants where you were whiteboarding, how to improve or napkinning. Help. That was just insane. No, I, I didn't like, carry the way. <laughs> it was a napkin. But uh, I, think, I think that was the most uh, challenging, but it was also the most rewarding. So because when you get to the end and you see the reaction of, the physicians and the clinicians, you're like, it was worth it. How do you integrate? I guess you became a integral part of the team. How do you integrate? Every health system's a little different. Their communication structure, the way they, they approach projects, the culture, the politics, and we will like to say the work, but if, anywhere there's people, there's policy. Sure. So how do you integrate into a team and really understand how they operate as a system? Well, I think you've got to ask a lot of questions. I mean, it, it can't just accept because you got a mandate from a CIO that everyone's going to be, oh, welcome. Often it's the reverse, actually. They view that perhaps you're a threat to their job. So you have to go in and show your character, show your balance system, show your knowledge, and you really indicate to them that you're there to work in partnership with them in collaboration. You're not here to take their job. You're actually here to help them be more successful and that they'll get recognized by engaging in a successful project. but. There's a lot of nuance and a lot of people think it's black and white, but as you said, we're dealing with people, there are so many shades of gray. And as I say, I think one of the things that I bring and that we bring is shades of gray, not 50, but shades of gray are what we do. Yeah. There's an awful lot of nuance, especially with this stuff. Are you still coaching? You're, you're still an active coach and warrior and learning to coach. Yes. How does the team look this year? I'll find down next week. We actually get into some present season stuff this weekend, but I'm here with you at this conference, thankfully. Uh, but we started in earnest next week and we'll see. I, I feel really good about it. It's hard. COVID's affected a lot of people in a lot of ways. And it's been an absolute tragedy in this world, but be on a micro level, just the loss of nearly about two plus seasons for these young men, many graduated, didn't even have graduation ceremonies. It's really tough. So I've got a responsibility to make this season extra special for those, especially done seniors who are going to see it out. Yeah, it is. It is tough because you get with freshmen, get up excited. They're, they're so green and you're teaching them. And then their sophomore year, they're starting to come into their own and they're looking forward to their junior or senior year. And for some of them, it's just, you skip the whole season. Sure. And it's the same in the professional world too, right? You bring on some, like you said, some time to ride alone younger, more junior people with the idea of growing them and developing them. And then things happen and as happened in the COVID world, professionally and in the rugby world. And we've just got to be able to, again, be agile and 
think on our feet and come up with some different approaches. So I just have to accelerate the learnings for the team so that we're effective this season. And I'm expecting nothing less than success. What's the problem solved? Like, what's the, if I ask you for the one sentence that people go, that's the problem I solve, I need to talk to Cordy. Which one is the one problem? Yeah, I think the biggest problem solving our ability is delivering complex projects. We're just so adept at what we do. We bring the right skill sets to bear. We mold teams. We integrate teams with you. We understand the complexity. We understand the challenges. We understand, especially in healthcare. As a patient at the end of everything that happens from a technology standpoint, so we need to get it right. So I think it's that understanding. And it's like, it's our values. I mean, we carry ourselves and a lot of people can talk values and have values on their wall. And then we interact with them and it's like, whoa, it doesn't quite resonate. Well, we've been through a few of those, but I think living to our values and our culture is absolutely key. And we don't shy away from any challenge. I mean, when you threw some challenges at us. It was a little intimidating, but once we got our teeth into it, it was very successful. So how did people find out more about Corey? Want to talk to them? I'll give you my cell phone the way you have my cell phone. <laughs> you can check my cell phone. But for me, it's almost like conversations like this. It's not trying to sell something. That's what I love to know. I mean, it was uh, from the first time we sat down, it was, uh, tell me what you do. And uh, it's like, you wouldn't answer the question. You were just looking to be going. I solve problems. What kind of problems do you have? And like, I start, then I'm like, all right, I'll play your game. I'll start talking about some more problems. And I start talking about some more problems to your life. All right. So, and you'd ask some really good questions. And then, and then we started to launch into, hey, here's some of the things I can do. And I was like, okay, interesting. I wasn't, I didn't give you the keys to the kingdom, like the first enterprise that he didn't know. <laughs> but, but the Sunday didn't say that because I think that's the biggest thing is we're in the people business. We're dealing with technology, technology is that medium and the technology has to be successful. But if we don't get the people part and the relationship part, they're all right. We will fail. You can have the best technologies in the world, but you will fail if done the right people and you don't have trust. And you gave us a, an opening, I'll put it that way. And we blew the burning door off it and then you gave us more and more. And so again, for me, it's just a conversation. If I can sit down with the CIO, here's what we do. Here's what we're good at. No, we don't do that. No, we're not the. We are experts by any stretch, but here's our core sweet spot for us. If they'll listen to that, I think we can be jointly successful. I think the last thing I'll mention, I appreciate it. I hope you're not doing this anymore, but there was a lot of times I found you on site doing stuff. It's like your, your team was there for some reason. And I guess that's the part of the coaching you to say, Hey, this is worth doing. And I'm very hands-on in along what I do. And I think there's a fine line between being sort of a micromanager and being hands on. So I want to give people enough room to be successful, but I want to be there for them as they run into challenges and things they haven't experienced before and be able to run something by me. So I love being engaged. When we get opportunities, we don't close the deal and then walk away. I mean, we live, eat and breathe it. We did it with you for years and did a lot of living, being and breathing. And not enough sleep. <laughs> uh, but we got a lot of stuff done. Jeremy, uh, thank you for your time. My special thanks for having me here in this beautiful location. I wish you luck with the 229 for sure. Appreciate it. I love sitting down with Jeremy and hearing all the things that Gordian is doing today and just reminiscing about some of the things Gordian has done 
with me in the past. Plus, I just love the rugby stories as well. They really tie everything together. I know I always enjoy those conversations and learn stuff when I sit down with Jeremy. I hope you benefited as well. I want to thank Gordian for this episode and investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now. 